the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Yeah. All real man. Love is, is Love. too weak a word. Stay back. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't lie! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Time of recording is 11.07 a.m. on December 23rd, 2018. Happy holidays, everyone, from the Next Best Picture crew. Joining me, believe it or not, is the OG crew. We're back together again. Will Mavity. Hi, guys. Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Ryan C. Showers. Hi, everybody. Deanne Knighton. Hi, friends. And JC You are part of the OG crew now. You've been with us for a little while. Come join the family, everyone. JC Aldridge. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Hi. So hello, everyone, to to who may be listening to this on Christmas Eve, on Christmas, after, it doesn't matter. This is our special Christmas episode here at Next Best Picture, and we're going to definitely answer some questions pertaining to the holidays, talk about some stuff that is holiday-themed for sure, but let's get business out of the way first. Let's talk about what's going on in the world of film today. We're going to talk about the Oscar short lists but before we get to that i just want to know because you know around this time of year a lot of movies get released in the movie theater i mean we're talking like eight new releases per week last week and this uh weekend over here that we're in currently right now so i want to ask everyone what did they see this week and what are they planning to see this week over the holidays michael let's start off with you well let's see this past week i saw actually a couple of movies i saw spider-man into the spider-verse which I thought was very, very well done, beautifully animated, great human story on top of the superhero story. I love these characters. I like the voice work a lot. I would say probably my second favorite Spider-Man movie behind Spider-Man 2. Oh, Spider-Man 2 is so good. Yeah, so I was very impressed with that. I saw my beloved Mary Poppins Returns, which we talked about on our podcast yesterday. But suffice to say, that's my favorite movie this year, and I'm going again this week. Love it, love it, love it so much. You taking the family this week? I'm going with my grandfather to see it on Tuesday. Nice. Who is a big, big Julie Andrews fan, fan of the original, so I'm sure he'll love that. And then yesterday, I saw Mary Queen of Scots, which I thought was very well directed and well acted. I liked it quite a bit. So that was a nice surprise. And then I saw The Favorite last week, but wasn't so crazy about it the first time around. So I kept thinking about it ever since I saw it and knew that there was something there just like when I saw Arrival a couple of years ago and knew that there was something that I wasn't quite grasping onto so I went to go see this again and to my surprise I really enjoyed round two of the favorite awesome so it was just I think getting around uh Yorgos Lanthimos's style as a director I think that takes some getting used to if you're not really in his wheelhouse so now that I knew what to expect with him, it was easier to get into the characters and understand them better, p- appreciate the performances. And that's what really allowed me to connect with the movie. All righty. Cool. Ryan, what about you? Oh, I've I've been on a binge uh, with the Oscar movies. I've seen everything from Mary Queen of Scots to The Favorite recently, which is my favorite of the year. And I'm glad that Michael um, liked it on a round two. I was really excited last night. 
um, that we have the same um, Best Supporting Actress winner right now, Rachel Weisz. Yes. Um, I, I actually re- I saw American Queen of Scots again last night, and I liked it even more the second time. Um, I'm taking my family to see Vice on Christmas Day, um, which will be interesting because I kind of, <laughs> I'm not telling them I'm not telling them what it's about. I'm just saying we're going to see Amy Adams' new movie because they know <laughs> I love Amy Adams, and so it's gonna be it's gonna hit them pretty hard. And then I'm gonna be seeing um, Destroyer and Aquaman, you know Nicole's new, new movies, and so yeah. I'm catching up with Vice also. That and Beale Street come out this week around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will, how about you? Uh, you know, I've been back home with the family for the holidays, so I haven't really seen much. Uh, right before I left, I guess it's technically, oh, it was last week now because today's Sunday. Last Sunday, I saw the new Spider Man and thought it was great. But yeah, I haven't really seen much this week. Also, I kind of already saw everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in a similar boat as you to a, to a certain extent there for sure. So I, I get it. Uh, Deanne? So let's see. Yesterday I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I saw Roma this week. I saw Favorite this week. So I've been doing pretty good. Um, I'm with Ryan. The Favorite is very, very, very high on my list for the year. It's so crazy how you can have a list like shaped all year and then you get into this time of year and then all of a sudden your whole thing gets turned upside down. So, but it's fun. Um, for the holidays, I'm going to be in Atlanta visiting, um, with my brother and my, and taking care of my nieces. So I saved Mary Poppins. I saved Spider-Man so that we can catch up on all of those. And then Atlanta also is going to get Bill street on Christmas day, which I'm excited about because Utah's not getting it. So that means I get to sneak away and see Bill street too. Okay. And then JC, um, I have so much to catch up on. I'm seeing, won't you be my neighbor? And Three Identical Strangers, which I've heard so many good things about. And I'm really glad you saw that recently. Um, And then I'm pretty sure that we'll be seeing Mary Poppins on Christmas Day. I need to see Beale Street. I need to see Black Klansmen. I don't know. I got a long list. I don't know if it's all going to happen, but I'm going to try. All right. Well, we appreciate the effort. Uh, I, like Will, am all caught up pretty much on theatrical movies for 2018. Now I'm doing my annual documentary binge watch where I try to catch up on all the documentaries that I missed throughout the year, Uh, primarily the ones that made the Oscar shortlist, which we're going to talk about in a moment here. So, so far, um, I've seen Crime and Punishment, Minding the Gap, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Three Identical Strangers, uh, RBG, which, if I remember correctly, didn't RBG not make the shortlist? No, it's there. Oh, it is there. Oh, okay, never mind. We're sending thoughts out to RBG, by the way, who's recovering this weekend. Yes. Yeah, no, she is, man, she is such a tough cookie. It's unbelievable, uh, the stuff that she's been through in the last year, and she just keeps on coming back. Um, What else? I I have Shirkers next on the list, and I am also going to check out uh, Free Solo uh, sometime this week. It's playing in one theater by me in New York City, and uh, it will mark the first time I've ever seen a documentary in a movie theater, so... Wow. wow. Yeah. And Shirkers is on Netflix, right? Yes, it is. I tried watching it the other night and my uh, roommate interrupted and he couldn't stop like talking during it. So finally I had to just shut it off and be like, you want to talk? Let's talk. Because I was like, how dare you interrupt my movie right now? <laughs> oh, gosh. But in any event, though, 
So before we get to the Oscar shortlist, let's talk about uh, our first trailer this week for this week's episode here. Um, this is actually a film that premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, directed by Neil Jordan. You all might recognize his name uh, from a movie called The Crying Game, which he won the Oscar for, for Best Original Screenplay. And he's also done uh, quite a few films uh, since then. Uh, most recently, uh, what was that one called? Um Byzantium? Uh, I don't even know. Byzantium? Byzantium? <laughs> sure, whatever. The Brave One uh, with um, Jodie Foster. And I mean, you know, not really, I would say, the most prolific of careers, but let, let's get into seeing what his latest one looks like here, starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Isabelle Huppert. Where is this? I have a bag that I found that I think belongs to Greta Hedag. Oh, bless your heart. Where did you find it? On the subway. Oh, would you like a cup of coffee? You've been so kind. I don't get many visitors here. I've been so lonely since my daughter left. Well, I could help you. My mom actually used to say, uh, I'm like chewing gum. You I tend to stick around. <laughs> Where are the candles? Uh, in the cabinet. Did you find them? I guess she's been finding bags around the city. I was hoping someone brings them back to her. And you did. Oh my god, it's her. Just let it ring. I saw the bags, Greta. And I never want to see you again. She's really freaking me out. This is not a problem. Public area, her rights are protected. Why are you doing this? How exciting. Hi, I'm Francis, and I'll be your waitress for the evening. No, I can't do this. Are you a child? No, you're the child. You need a mother to hold it. Don't you dare talk to me about my mother. She had to die for us to meet. Are you out of your mind? Look at her. She's full of greeting. She's gone, Francis! Everyone needs a friend. Between more than friends, we're connected. There's something you need to know about Greta. What? Are you insane? What did you do? Just try to get rid of Greta. Well, that, that looks pretty crazy. I, I don't know how I feel about it, because to me, it looks like... What is that one that came out earlier this year with Blake Lively? Like this looks like it's got the same level of camp as that film, but in a much darker tone. I saw the trailer for this before Mary Queen of Scots and the favorite. So I saw it twice yesterday and the guy sitting next to me during the favorite turned to his wife after this trailer and said, we are so not seeing that. I have to say, I'm very happy to see Isabelle Huppert uh, getting uh, more work, like since her profile was raised with the uh, Oscar nomination for Elle uh, two years ago. And, you know, it's nice to see that she's appearing in more um, American films. So, you know, a little bit of uh, our audience over here could get more acquainted with her because I think to cinephiles and international audiences, she's very well known. But on a more mainstream level, I'm not really sure if people understand who she is and what a great talent she is. Well, 
Um, you know, there's this like actors get really frustrated with after they have a really successful part or movie come out, they get typecasted for the, their next several roles based on the one that made them uh, prominent. And I feel like that's what's happening with um, Isabel Huppert here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, her turn in L was very dark. Um, that movie wouldn't survive um, even two years later in terms of the Me Too standard. Um, but I feel like the, her character here is uh, a sequel or in, in the vein of that, in, in the vein of her, in the vein of L. Um, I think it looks kind of uh, kind of cheesy and um, very B movie ish. But yeah. I mean, I'll still see it. But I don't think it looks great. This should be like my kind of movie, like a Ryan Showers kind of a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Isabel raises it a little bit in terms of interest level, but Chloe Grace Moretz kind of is in and out on her project choices, I think. And with the director, although he has some writing credit, the direction um, history isn't that great. So I'm with you. I just feel like it could be better and I want it to be good, but it looks like there's some cheese factor. Well, and also it already, we already know it has like a 59 on Metacritic. I mean, like it premiered already in the reactions were mixed to bad so yeah i've heard a lot of people uh talk when the trailer dropped who saw it at tiff they said uh it was fun but nothing too like amazing and then i heard some people just say it was just flat out awful you need it to be super bonkers i feel like like if it's just middle of the road there's no reason to see it Mm -hmm. like you really need to go above and beyond like that movie from almost 10 years ago you ever see that movie orphan Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. that's awesome. That's a movie where you have a concept that is so out there and crazy, and it just takes all these wild, wild turns. And, you know, it, I feel like I want a movie like that again. And this had the potential to be that, but apparently it's not. And yeah. I have a confession about that, actually. Vera Farmiga makes my um, best actress lineup for that movie. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> I love her in it. <laughs> I was that was that was back when Vera Farmiga was like hot on the fil- on the film scene. So I went through a phase. I hear you. Okay. Any other final thoughts on the trailer for Greta? I'd rather see Greta Gerwig. I know. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for something like that when I saw the title. Like before you like opened up the trailer, you're like, oh, it's Greta Gerwig the biopic. Let's. Yes, I'm in for that. <laughs> that would be great. Isabel Huppert's playing Greta Gerwig because she could play anybody. <laughs> Nah, I mean, I got to say, uh, just for the record, too, Chloe Grace Moretz, if for those that haven't seen it, I think she gave her best performance yet in Miseducation of Cameron Post. Great. And I don't know. I do also echo what Deanne said and that I think she's wildly inconsistent with the choices that she makes. So I'm not exactly sure, but... She's still young. She's also really good. She's growing. Yeah, well, I feel like she's been growing for the last 10 years since we were introduced to her. Is she even like twenty yet? I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, she's she she's twenty one. Okay, then g- give her a break. She's a baby. <sighs> Fine. What were you I, doing I, at twenty one, Matt? Drinking, probably. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any event, uh, let's move over now to the Oscar shortlist. Uh, we had our D Day, as it were. The date was December seventeenth, twenty eighteen. The Oscars decided to, well, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced nine of their shortlists for the 2019 Oscars, including Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Visual Effects, Best Foreign Language Film, Best Documentary, and for the first time ever, Best Original Score and Best Original Song, and the shorts were announced as well. There was much anticipation over what was going to make the cut, what was going to be left out. We're going to go through them right now, one at a time here, and give our thoughts on them. Let's start off with Best, best Makeup and Hairstyling, one of the toughest categories to predict at 
the Oscars, considering they only have three available slots. The choices are Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, Border, Mary Queen of Scots, Stan and Ollie, Suspiria, and Vice. Notable omissions, Aquaman, Deadpool 2, The Favorite, and Uncle Drew. You know, speaking of notable omissions, I mean, across all these shortlist categories, we were being told, oh, it's going to be D-Day on December 17th. We're going to have all these shortlists dropping. So many things have potential to miss. And then they all dropped and nothing big missed. Yeah, it was pretty shocking. These usually capricious branches just kind of were like, yeah, we'll kind of include everything. I mean, like, I'm looking at these seven films here that are uh, up for best makeup and hairstyling, and I honestly believe, with the exception of Bohemian Rhapsody, take any combination of the three uh, of those seven listed, and I think you have a pretty strong lineup. I think Stan and Ollie could get in. I don't have it right could. now, but that seems like a movie that's hitting at the right time with the right people. And it just well, seems like agree. the type the branch goes for. And they've been campaigning it hard. I, I, I tell people all the time, I think this is funny. Sony Pictures Classics is running more campaign ads for Stan and Ollie than they are for the wife. Yeah. And many wow. of them single out the makeup. Like, repeatedly. I just open up Variety and there's like a full-page ad on, look at the makeup behind Stan and, Stan and Ollie. So I think that is a very smart guess. It seems like a Victoria and Abdul type that just shows up and people are like, wait, what? Yeah, absolutely. And I saw Mary Queen of Scots yesterday and was very impressed with the Margot Robbie work there, especially oh, yeah. the, with the pox on her face. That That's just crazy. So that's something that could show up. But I feel like outside of her, it's not like big, flashy makeup. But that's how I feel about Stan and Ollie, too, where it's only John C. Riley to a certain extent, Steve Coogan a little bit. You know, I don't know. I And you guys all know this. I equate more with best when it comes to a lot of these things. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you in the sense that, like, the Stan and Ollie makeup, the Mary Queen of Scots makeup, if it's, like, a single subject, I tend to be like, eh, whereas something like Black Panther, where background characters have a tremendous amount of makeup and hairstyling going on, you know, Killmonger's got all the uh, markings on his body. Well, that's going to be it. And that and Border and Stan and Ollie sound like the three nominees. Oh, you think so? I think so. Will, what about you? Oh, yeah, I, th- I think Panther can easily get in and probably stands a good chance to win. Yeah. Ryan? Yeah, I agree with um, with what Michael said. Yeah, I, I have to say, I think if Black Panther is winning, I currently have Black Panther winning actually costume design, production design, and makeup at this point. Yeah, and and maybe visual effects, despite the fact they're kind of crappy. Yeah, oh. visual effects. Uh, you know, maybe even production design. You know, it has a lot. It could go with like five. I think it could win sound editing if First Man doesn't um, land. Yeah, at all. and then there's A Quiet Place, but that might not even be a Best Picture nominee. So, yeah, Black Panther stands a chance there also. Yeah, A Quiet Place winning sound editing screams like something along the lines of Dragon Tattoo winning film editing in 2011 to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, Deanne, what about you, though? What, what do you think about the uh, makeup list so far? I, I agree with those choices that you guys mentioned, but I'm really hoping for Suspiria in my little heart of hearts. Yes. <laughs> Suspiria is like my... I just want it to be nominated. I don't care if it wins, but if it gets the nomination, it would be like the coolest thing ever sort of thing. Yeah. <sighs> JC, what I about you? I need to see Suspiria. I feel like that movie <sighs> is like made for me, and I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. I need to see it. Um, yeah, I I mean, I feel like Mary Queen of Scots is just like the shortlist of the shortlist because I feel like there's always that kind of Victorian era like 
queen royalty movie that always makes it into this list every year. Mm. It's also interesting that Border is on the makeup list, but it didn't make foreign language film, right? Yeah, let's move over to uh, to that category here. Best foreign language film. Uh, the choices are Colombia for Birds of Passion, uh, Passage, Denmark for The Guilty, Germany, Never Look Away, Japan, Shoplifters, Kazakhstan, Ica, Lebanon for Capernaum, Mexico, Roma, Poland, Cold War, South Korea for Burning. Notable omissions were Border and Girl. I mean, this is pretty straightforward, and I have to say, out of all these, the only one I hadn't heard of was the uh, Kazakhstan uh, one for Ica. I and now I'm like very, very curious <laughs> to see what that is all about. It's a sequel to Borat. No. Uh... <laughs> Wasn't there already one, Bruno? <laughs> and I know Never Look Away is definitely gaining uh, momentum. It got a Golden Globe nomination. Um, I almost pretty much expect that to make the final lineup in the end somewhere, somehow, because Germany seems to always get a nominee in lately, it feels like. Burning is the movie that I'm like rooting for the most, but I just, I don't know. I hear a lot about shoplifters. I'm hearing a lot about that movie right now. It's really good. I mean, like, has anyone else here seen it? No. Oh, it is really good. And I fully expected to get a nomination. I mean, I was just talking to I don't remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but I was talking about um, oh, I think it was Dan Bayer. I was just talking about Roma at the Oscars. And like, what if Roma misses something very big? That's a gimme. Like, and I just said, what if what if like it gets into picture, it gets into director and it gets all these other categories, but it doesn't get into foreign language. Like, I was like, could you imagine? Um, but this is like the kind of year where I feel like the competition is really, really strong with films like Cold War, Shoplifters, uh, Burning has a lot of burning passion behind it. So, I mean, yeah, this is a really, really stacked category this year. Never Look Away from the Academy Award nominated director of The Tourist. <laughs> it's the redemption narrative. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's. What, he already got uh, Lives of Others? Yeah. He won for that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did. Okay. Over Pan's Academy Labyrinth. Award winning director of The Tourist. Wow. So, uh, any other final thoughts on the foreign language film category? Anything that anyone's planning to see? I have to catch up with so many. Roma is the only uh, foreign film I've seen this year, foreign language film, unless you count when they speak Leary and Mary Poppins. Uh, mm. That's the only one I've seen. Me I'm too. I have some war. catching up to do. For the record, JC, I count Revenge as a foreign language film this year. <gasps> do you really? Oh, I totally that makes do. me so happy. It really basically is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love that movie. Aww. Let's move over now to visual effects. Uh, the listing there is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Infinity War, Black Panther, Christopher Robin, First Man, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Mary Poppins Returns, Ready Player One, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Welcome to Marwin. Notable omissions include Aquaman, Bumblebee, Mission Impossible Fallout, Paddington 2, and A Quiet Place. I am so bummed that Fallout is not in this lineup. But they've never nominated a Mission Impossible movie. And the only one even to make the short list was um, Ghost Protocol and the original film. The Academy branch doesn't like the Mission Impossible franchise and also the fact that everything is practical works against it yeah but there's a hidden uh, there's like you know invisible visual effects in yeah, there they often don't go for invisible i mean dunkirk missed out last year i, I kind of expected it to miss for that exact same reason i just like i'm really bummed out that one of the best action films since mad max fury road 
is not going to get a single Oscar nomination, probably, unless it cracks one of the sound categories. You yeah. know what I'm surprised missed here? And I had it uh, in my predictions after we got the first shortlist for visual effects. I was predicting Isle of Dogs. Mm. No, I knew it wasn't going to pull a Kubo. The, I mean, Kubo had this crazy mesh of CGI and stop motion that was going to really speak to the branch. You couldn't really tell where the difference was. But I didn't think of it before. But once it made that shortlist of 17, I thought it had a shot of getting in the second one. I actually predicted it to make the shortlist of 20 because usually animated films do make it. I think about like nine animated films have made the first list and Kubo is the only one to make it to round two. That wasn't, I mean, and also the, the effects were just deliberately kind of cheesy looking like this. That didn't shock me. So, and the one that I would keep an eye on here, you know, we always see, Will, you pointed this out recently at the Annie Awards. We usually see a film that pops up like it was The Revenant a couple of years ago and Kong Skull Island as well. And two that we saw this year to keep an eye on were Paddington 2 and Christopher Robin. Paddington didn't make this list, but Christopher, but Christopher Robin, Robin did. No, I, I think that's yeah. such a bummer. I'm, I'm sad point, about the Paddington 2 omission. So now I'm like rooting for production design for that movie so that it makes it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but I would keep an eye on Christopher Robin here, to be honest, because if Annie's went for it, that could be something. I agree. So who do we have? We have Black Panther probably getting in. Mary Poppins probably getting in. Um, Avengers. Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would Ready say Player one. one. Yeah, Ready Player One. Uh, and then, then the I fifth slot the first, is open for grabs. I, I have First Man in there right now, but it could be Christopher Robin. Uh, I don't really see anything I, else. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. The Fallen Kingdom is not going to get in the first one. Don't be surprised, dude. I'm telling you. Like, If they can go for Kong Skull Island, they can yeah, go the for this. the first Jurassic World didn't get in. I know, but they were in the middle of their, ooh, we're going for bold, uh, you know, unique visual effects at that point. But it seems like they've suddenly fallen back on, eh, let's go for the, you know, last year very much seemed like a return to their old way of thinking in regards. I mean, to be honest, too, I I, I don't want to admit this because I just kind of want to forget that it exists. Sorry to everyone that's listening right now that loves this movie, but a Star Wars film has never missed a visual effects nomination. Yeah, I think Solo really stands as a very strong chance mm-hmm. of getting in. Wow. Oh, that's actually a good point. I think a Black Panther gets the nomination. It's going to win in a second. I agree. Yeah. I don't. I'm not that. I'm not that confident. I really am not. If On a popular vote, nomination. You know, getting the nomination is its biggest hump, but the average member of like the acting branch doesn't really have a discerning eye when it comes to visual effects. I'm guessing, you know, like Hugo's effects weren't that great. That's like the most egregious, weirdest VFX like example that you could think of in terms of it's a best picture nominee and that's why it won sort of scenario. Right. And that could easily happen with Black Panther. I mean, like, I'm sorry, but. They just think lots of visual effects. We like this film overall. It's a Best Picture nominee. We're voting for it in a number of spots, like makeup and production design. Why not also throw VFX its way? Well, and yeah. here's another thing. Like, you know, for all of his um, faults and uh, hor- horrific the, the horrific developments about him, Harvey Weinstein always said the key to winning is getting people to see your movie. And I doubt, like you said, Will, like people in the acting branch are going to s- sit down and watch all of these movies and black panther besides mary poppins maybe has the biggest or the highest profile and most of them have probably seen it so that even if it's not great they're gonna see black panther check and that's how it wins Hmm. well avengers actually has better visual effects of course it does but 
It's how many are gonna watch Avengers though at this stage in the game? Listen, Avengers was such a big deal. They might have already have seen it earlier in the year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Let's move over to documentary. Uh, Fifteen films made the shortlist for best documentary feature. We have Charm City, Communion, Crime and Punishment, Dark Money, The Distant Barking of of Dogs, Free Solo, Hale County This Morning This Evening, Minding the Gap of Fathers and Sons, On Her Shoulders, RBG, Shirkers, The Silence of Others, Three Identical Strangers, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. Notable omissions include Half the Picture, McQueen, and Science Fair. So the three big box offices, uh, box office stories from this past summer were uh, for documentaries: Three Identical Strangers, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and RBG. Free I don't solo think too. No, th- that was in the fall, the, in the summer, from like May to I would say July. You had those three movies during the really movie pass stories. era. Mm. Yeah, the movie pass <laughs> era of documentaries. So well, I don't think all three of them make it in. I think no. it's probably going to be Three Identical Strangers and Won't You Be My Neighbor, which I could even see that one missing, to be honest. Won't you be I, my neighbor? No way. That yeah, one's totally they, getting in. No, well, no, no. no. Like, the, the documentary J- branch is Jane last year. Uh, yeah, know. did we all think Jane was going to miss? No. <laughs> Waiting for Superman is a huge one in 2010. There's was, always a big miss in the documentary category, like the Roger Ebert one, Life Itself. So. Yeah. Hill County's um, probably getting in, Free Solo. Minding the gap is in. Minding, you think that that's in that? I have that on the bubble. I, I let me tell you, I, all with all, all it takes with minding the gap is for people to see it, and I think once they see it, it'll get in because that that film, that film snuck up on me. That was powerful as hell, and I did not expect that. Let's see, the five I have are. Uh, I do have one to be my neighbor, though I could see it missing. Free solo, minding the gap, three identical strangers, and shirkers. Uh-huh. I have the first four. Um, in the fifth slot right now, I have a feeling it might be on her shoulders. Yeah, that's, I mean, that one is really making waves in the doc community. I would not be surprised at all. And, uh, Hell County this morning, this evening, if I remember correctly, it won, won the Gotham award. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that might've gotten enough people to maybe say, oh, let me pop that in the screener pile and, uh, yeah. you know, see what that's RBG about. RBG is not getting in. I'm pretty confident RBG will not get in. Yeah. And it's nothing against the movie. I think it's a very respectable film in many ways. No, I, I love just, that movie. I just watched Won't You Be My Neighbor recently. I kind of feel the same way about this. I feel like both of them are very safe movies, um, and they're very conventional in the way that they're presented as documentaries. Their subjects are larger than life. But where I feel Won't You Be My Neighbor really conveyed um, uh, Fred Rogers' ideals and everything that he was about in its runtime, I felt like RBG struggled to really hit all of the points and hit them in a manner that uh, really highlighted the importance of what a monumental figure she is. I, I could have watched four more documentaries about her to give like some of her accomplishments room to breathe. I, I just felt like the film was kind of you know going through things very quickly for her. And the the, the branch doesn't really go for uh, you know uh, profile documentaries. They did Amy a couple years ago, but that was such its own unique thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. No, they, they usually go for more larger uh, social issue. I always joke that there needs to be one film every year that's either about like, the drug cartel or on the ground in the war. There's like an on the ground thing where they capture some groundbreaking footage and that's what gets it. Well, if that's the case, um, I don't know. I just watched Crime and Punishment recently and there's a lot of footage of uh, police officers going to like their sergeants and commanding officers without their knowledge and like recording the conversations. And it's like really tense stuff. I don't know. I have to say, too, for the record, like I'll, I'll I'll show my vulnerability here a little bit. I've never heard of the distant barking of dogs. Um, 
I have not heard of Communion. I have heard of Charm City, but I've never seen. I haven't seen it. I haven't even watched a trailer. Same thing with The Silence of Others. There, there's some here that I really need to do a little bit more digging on. I think Shirkers Ale County. I have no idea about. Mm. And Shirkers will you think? Yeah, I think Shirkers can definitely get in. Netflix decided it was going to be their biggest doc push this year, and they've been campaigning it hard. And Netflix has been getting a lot into the documentary shorts and documentary uh, feature categories lately. So yeah. Makes and sense. also that one is, you know, that, that that's pretty timely. You know, it's uh, just given where we are right now, it is a promising female filmmaker who had her film stolen by a jealous man. I mean, like that's, that's right. That nice, narrative really is. That narrative pretty strong. is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, let's move over now to best original score shortlist. Annihilation. Yay. Making the short list for best original score. That was that was pretty wild. Avengers Infinity War, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Crazy Rich Asians, The Death of Stalin, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, First Man, If Beale Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, Mary Poppins Returns, A Quiet Place, Ready Player One, and Vice. Notable omissions include Incredibles 2, Mary Queen of Scots, Suspiria, and Widows. Okay, I am so happy about Isle of Dogs. Oh, I I think it's getting in. I mean, they love to splot, and he's really campaigning this year for that. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's break it down. So I think we can assume Black Panther, um, First Man, Beale Street, Mary Poppins. That's four of the five, and I think Isle of Dogs takes the fifth spot. Yeah, I would say Isle of Dogs or Black Klansman for the fifth slot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate that it's kind of like pretty easy like that, but when I look at the other choices here, it's like they're not going to go for Fantastic Beasts. They're not going to do Crazy Rich Asians. They're not going to do The Death of Stalin. I, you know, A Quiet Place got that Golden Globe nomination. Yeah, A Quiet Place, maybe. It's a preferential ballot. You know, that's how it's getting voted. So I am intrigued by how that's going to impact things. Because the other shortlists, they're doing the whole, basically, you go to a screening, you see presentations, and then you give it a score and whatever five films get the highest average score from the audience or the nominees. But here, it's just literally just like you're choosing from the Best Picture nominees, you're ranking them 1 to 15. So that may throw us curveballs just because it's not as simple as just choosing the five films you like. Well, hey, Matt and Will, since you guys have seen Vice, what do you think of its um, chances here? It's a good score. I love the score for Vice. I just don't think it's going to get in. I mean, I don't think he's going to get in twice. He's not John Williams with name recognition. It, it, it is an excellent score, but especially given the somewhat mixed response to the film and the fact that his score for Beale Street is just generally more high profile, I don't see him getting in for Vice. Yeah, no, I, I feel a very, very similar way as well. Uh, poor Max Richter, missing out for Mary, Queen of Scots. That was a bummer. Um, Suspiria, Tom York, would have been a cool nomination. About First Man, though. Come on, we got to talk about what, that. What about First Man? Yeah, so I think, you know, probably because of what Will's saying with the preferential ballot, which I actually didn't realize that, that's probably what, what kills that chance because I think it's kind of a love or hate thing. People either love that or found it off-putting is what I hear. What, the First Man score? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think the I think the first man score is universally beloved, even if the movie's not. It's oh, not. I didn't no, hear no. you say it. Music Branch uh, is actually divided on it. I think it'll yeah. get in, but there's a surprising number of people who think it doesn't fit the film. Exactly. Yeah. Like that, you keep hearing that coming up. 
So now, uh, yeah, at this point, for best original song now, I mean, this is... This, this, I don't even know where to begin with this at this point, but here we go. When a cowboy trains, tr- trades his spurs for wings from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Treasure from Beautiful Boy, All the Stars from Black Panther, Revelation, Boy Erased, Girl in the Movies from Dumplin', We Won't Move from The Hate You Give, The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns, Triple O Light Fantastic from Mary Poppins Returns, Keep Reaching from Quincy, I'll Fight from RBG, A Place Called Slaughter Race from Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, I'm going to just say this, uh, you know, with the letters O Y A. H-Y-T-T from Sorry to Bother You. I'm not sure if that's actually supposed to say something, spell something out. It's, it's Oha. Oha, okay. Oha, oh yeah. Oha, it's, it's in the trailers and stuff. I'm going to have you sing that on an episode one day. Uh, Suspirium from Suspiria and The Big Unknown from Widows. Widows? Widows. Mm. Incredible. <laughs> I remember just, that song. I don't it, remember good. it. I, so at this point, like... I don't know. Like uh, we're we're just throwing darts at the board at this point, right? I mean, we know what's nominated for Golden Globe, um, but I have an interesting thing to propose, and I I, I swear, Michael, I'm not trying to. Troll oh, here it comes. It makes I'm sense. Not happening, Ryan. It no, makes not sense. Annie a- Lennox is not here at the Golden Globes. Mary Poppins should have gotten a, an original song nomination, and it did. It should have. Michael yeah. used, and Michael said this probably happened because of the vote split, which, okay, I'll give it to him. But could that happen again here? Because it, it yesterday, because Matt, of Annie Lennox talking. and her song and her campaign at, at the Globes. I don't know if it's that straightforward that it's because of Annie Lennox that that's why it didn't get in. Like, I, I'm willing to bet everything that Trip Little Light Fantastic gets in, and they have that being performed on the Oscar telecast. All right, I'll Venmo you $50 and we'll wager it. I am not putting money in the Oscar race. That's the silliest thing, but I'm putting all my reputation on the line. How's that? Well, I'm putting my reputation on the line that Shallow wins. Well, we all know Shallow's going to win. That's not even bold or daring, though. I know. I'm just joking. Out of all the Oscar categories, there's no other film in the race uh, in any category that is more locked than Shallow and The Star is Born to win Best Original Song. It's just not like... It, it, it's pre- it's preordained. Speaking <laughs> of preordained, it's a very clear-cut five to me looking at this list. I think it's Shallow, Trip, Little Light, Fantastic, All the Stars, All Fight, and Girl in the Movies. Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I have this little weird theory about Netflix movies getting represented in this category for nominations because you had, obviously, Mudbound last year, and then you have The Ballad of Buster Scruggs making it here. So I, I do, I don't know. I, I see a place for that. I think Ballad of Buster Scruggs actually could squeeze in there. I'm amazed that, you know, and Will mentioned this, what, like two weeks ago, that uh, there are people that really are taken to that song. Uh, I'm I'm still kind of, like, I'm as much surprised by that as I am the A Place Called Slaughter Race. But that's Alan Menken, so, I mean, that's not really shocking. He's like song branch royalty. Yeah. Maybe if RPG's not getting a documentary, the song will get in. That's definite. Absolutely. That's the lock of all locks for Diane Warren. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a good theory to hang on to right now, I would say, for anyone's predictions at this point. Okay, moving on now from the uh, shortlists, uh, let's move over now to um, our second trailer uh, discussion for this week. New Richard Linklater, starring Kate Blanchett in Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Let's take a look. Morning, Rosie. Hey, Mom. Do you guys remember when you told me if I got perfect grades all the way through middle school, I could have anything I wanted? I think it was to ward off any further talk of a pony. Want to know what it is? I don't know. Do we? A family trip to Antarctica. Ponies are cute and maybe not as much trouble as we thought. I 
was taken by her beauty and talent. I'm accompanying the first graders. That's a big deal, B. Can I come? No, you wouldn't like it. The words are way too cute. You might die of cuteness. Yeah, well, I want to die of cuteness. It's my favorite thing to die of cuteness. Something unexpected has come up. There's much more explanation coming, but I have this one shot. Just thinking about it's got my heart racing. Bernadette. You'll never guess what happened. She disappeared. Bernadette. What? She didn't just vanish. I'm gonna get my gear. Burn it up. Burn it down. Oof. What I find really interesting about this trailer is that Kate Blanchett has adopted the Rooney Mara and Carol hairstyle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, full circle. I actually thought it was like uh, Edna from Incredibles. Uh, and I was trying to find like comparison <laughs> screenshots with the glasses and everything, but she never wears sunglasses. Okay, that's what we need now. We need Kate Blanchett playing Edith Head in a biopic. I really do think, though, that Kate Blanchett is a great choice to play Bernadette from the book, at least for those who have read the book. She seems like the perfect fit. And I was really happy to see her cast as Bernadette in the film. I'm just really excited to see Kate Blanchett work with Richard Linklater and see where that goes. Yeah, I'm a little curious about the tone of the film, if mm-hmm. it's going to be. And, and you probably know, JC, since you read the book, but it is kind of intriguing because it's kind of hard to t- tell if it's going to go for kind of the lighter angle or if it gets dark. I don't you know, I, I'm intrigued to see about what that is. Well, if it's the book, if it is like if it does kind of follow the tones of the book, the book is definitely a comedy, but it's kind of poignant at the same time. So it's it, it sort of handles themes of grief on a lighter tone of things. Um and I can't really get that from the trailer. The trailer seemed a little bit more like fantastical exactly. than the book yeah. kind of plays out. So I'm yeah, I agree with you. I'm interested in that. Shout out to uh, Billy Crudrup, who has been working steady for so many years in the industry. And in my opinion, never a gets any mentions uh, that he deserves for his consistently great character work uh, is not considered a leading man. Like, but yet this guy always seems to pop up in some of the most intriguing uh, of projects. You know, 20th Century Woman, uh, Spotlight. Um, what else was he in? Public Enemies, you know, a, a Jackie. But I don't know. He's like that one character actor guy where I'm just like, oh, hey, it's you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he just pops in something every now and then to remind me that he still kind of exists. But he's a kind of actor I feel like that never hogs the spotlight from anyone in anything that he's doing. Which is a great thing. Yeah. And I think that that's going to allow for Kate Blanchett to uh, really own this movie, which we all know she's going to do anyway. Uh, but you also have Kristen Wiig and Judy Greer in this as yeah. well. Yeah. So Judy Greer is going to be in it for what? One scene? Is that true? Well, that's what happens in every movie she's in. Oh, she- <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently Lawrence Fishburne is also in this movie. But I don't know who he's playing. Who, for the record, um, I still maintain, like, I didn't like, what was the last Richard Linklater movie? I don't even last remember the name of it. Flag. Last Flag I didn't even really like it that much, but I, I, I liked Lawrence Fishburne in that. You were the only one who saw it, apparently, because it barely opened anywhere outside of New York and L.A. I know. <sighs> well, uh, anything else to say about Where'd You Go, Bernadette? I mean, that's another uh, March release film uh, from 
<laughs> it's from Annapurna. I wonder what the bu- uh, what the budget on this was. And, um, you know, Visma, along with Greta, I mean, we're starting to get our, you know, slate for uh, 2019 and what's going to hold us over through the uh, the lull of the spring, you know? I like the poster. I love the poster. <laughs> so minimal, but yet so effective. I wonder what she's typing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not kidding? how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? That's okay. what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy it. That's just how <laughs> it works. All right, moving away from that now. Uh, last thing uh, we're going to uh, touch upon before we get to fan questions, we're going to just touch on the polls. Uh, we're actually doing a lot of 2018 wrap-up questions, uh, which is proving to be a lot of fun. A lot of people are getting involved, which we really, really appreciate. And last week, we asked everyone, uh, what is their uh, like? What is their favorite, like most overlooked movie of 2018? You know, So a lot of movies this year flew under the radar. A lot of people have not seen them, whether it was because of release, as we talked about a second ago about Last Flag Flying Michael, even though that was uh, last year. A lot of movies like that, they come out for one week. They might be a little far away in a theater that is not really easily accessible and then they're gone and you know you don't get a chance to catch up with them so there were a lot of movies like that this year we received uh over 150 uh answers these are the most uh popular results that we received uh for this uh for this poll so according to uh the readers of uh, nextbestpicture.com these are the films that are the most overlooked of 2018 and I'm going to go in uh, descending to ascending order. So from the bottom up, Hearts Beat Loud, Wildlife, American Animals, Annihilation, Weavy Animals, Assassination Nation, Leave No Trace, and the number one most overlooked film, according to the readers of Next Best Picture, is Blind Spotting. Private Life didn't hit that list, huh? Private Life was down on the list. It oh, okay. it, did, it barely made a dent. Such a good movie, though. So no Leave totally. No Trace makes the list, and then watch it get like best director and screenplay and supporting actress in a month. Yo, I got that feeling. I got that feeling this week. I tweeted about it. It got a, some responses. People were pretty much like all like in uniform agreement. Like I would love to see that happen. That would be so cool. I don't believe anybody thinks it really is going to happen though. Screenplay will happen. Maybe director on a really big. I, yeah, I, I've put moved it into adapted at this point. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, will just out of curiosity, what do you make of like you know the idea of Leave No Trace possibly overperforming on Oscar Day, maybe being the phantom thread of this year's race? Yeah, I mean Matt and I tweeted about that simultaneously, like the same exact time, literally simultaneously. <laughs> um, 
it's definitely gaining momentum right now and it's you know it's having important people in the industry come and stand for the movie bleaker street's been running a good campaign it's on it's overperformed with critic awards i don't think it's going to go phantom thread length but i do think it's going to show up in adapted screenplay i think she could thomason mckenzie could crack supporting actress i think there's a very real possibility that happens and yeah there's an outside chance that you know we end up seeing deborah granick break director the director's branches random nominations it could happen yeah i mean lynn ramsey's won more awards than her right now she's got four uh deborah granick's got two but deborah granick won los angeles and i definitely feel like that was a very very big boost and I do feel that, you know, Leave No Trace is more beloved than You Were Never Really Here. Oh, yeah. It's just more accessible to, like, you know, like your average, like, 70-year-old voter. I mean, at this point, Lynn Ramsey getting a a director-only nomination. The last time that happened was David Lynch for Mulholland Drive. And I don't know if people are willing to go out on a limb and go that far with it, where Leave No Trace makes a little bit more sense, if it, especially if it's going to get that adapted screenplay nomination, so... We'll wait and see, see how things develop over the next couple of days. I I definitely think that's going to be something to watch out for, though. Uh, This week's poll, uh, continuing our theme of wrapping up uh, 2018, we're asking everyone, what is their favorite two performances from 2018? One male, one female performance. So while I could have asked for four, you know, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, that might have been a little too much. So I'm narrowing it down to just two. So two oh. underrated performances. No, no, no. Just two of your favorite performances of oh. 2018, male and female. Yeah. Olivia. So for me, I'll start it off. Um, my favorite male performance of 2018 is Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Favorite female performance, y'all already know it, Tony Collette in Hereditary. I saw the handful of uh, performances to see, but as it stands uh, today on December 23rd, favorite male performance, uh, Richard E. Grant and Can You Ever Forgive Me, and favorite female performance, Emily Blunt and Mary Poppins Returns. Mm. The Brits are taking over. Mm. It's Coleman and Cooper for me, the COs. Okay. All right. There you go. I think uh, my favorite female performance will come as no surprise. It's not from Widows, but it is Matilda Lutz from Revenge. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was, oh, God, that was such a good intro for her. And now she has a baby, and I don't know if she'll ever act again. But if she doesn't, Matilda, you are such a star, and I love you. Um, And then, <sighs> male is hard. I honestly was not impressed by that many male performances this year. Me neither. Um, but Bradley Cooper did do a really incredible job, and and I want to give him some love because I feel like a lot of people thought that A Star Is Born was his like vanity project, but if it was, he deserves that vanity because he did do great. Yeah, he's excellent. Yeah, I do have to say too. I know there's so much black about Bohemian Rhapsody, but Rami Malek really is fantastic in that, especially that last twenty minutes in that movie. Yeah, problem absolutely. with it that. That section actually could be almost perfect, except that the filmmaking decides to add all these cheesy, cliche movie elements that even kind of ruined that It's a weird performance because up until that Live Aid sequence, I don't think he's actually that good because like when he talks with the teeth, it sounds like, you know, Catherine Hepburn with marbles (laughs) in her mouth. (laughs) What? Really, he can't work through the teeth. Yeah, there's some awkwardness there. You're right. 
when he gets the performance to the end, though, is amazing. and he's just lip syncing and doing the movements, that's the most incredible part. So if you're just looking at it from the high that the film leaves you on and how he is during Live Aid, that's definitely nomination worthy. Well, I'm going to surprise everybody. My favorite um, male performance this year is um, Josh Hamilton in eighth grade. Oh, I haven't seen that. I just rewatched that for the third time recently. And I have to say, I feel like critics were really going pretty, you know, good for him in the early goings, like the first like week or so of critics groups. And then all of a sudden it just like went away. And Mm -hmm. I feel so bad because I really do feel that he is so genuinely moving in that yeah. movie in such a natural and authentic way that uh, he's he's honestly like Elsie Fisher is definitely the heart of that movie for sure. But without him, I, I feel like the movie itself overall would be too much of a downer. And yeah. oh, he just really he's makes the heart. that whole movie. Yeah, he, he'll yeah. make my so, lineup. So um, Ryan, who's your favorite dad, Stuhlberg or Hamilton? Oh, um, <laughs> Hamilton! Really? I was actually, Ethan Hawke from Boy- Boyhood um, in the first half. I didn't huh? like his Republican self in the second half, but. <laughs> um, and then my favorite female performance of the year. I I really wish I was um, answering this after December thirtieth, which is when I'm going to see Nicole Kidman in Destroyer, which I know that's going to be kind of like Michael knew that Emily Blunt was going to be anointed to his um, lineup this year. But I will. I'll say my right now. My favorite is um, Rachel Vice and the favorite. Mm, good pick. And it's actually, actually my favorite character of the year too. I think I'm changing my mail to John Krasinski from A Quiet Place. What really? What? Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking about like which performances made me cry the most this year, and it was definitely that one. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I always give bonus points whenever I'm grading a film. If you make me cry, you actually go up one full point all the time. So I, I get where you're coming from with that. I understand. Yeah. All right. Uh, Will. Uh, my favorite male performance is Russell Hornsby in The Hate You Give. You know, I've been standing for that performance all year. And my favorite female, I keep going back and forth between three, really. It's kind of hard. So I'm just going to throw some love I'm going to narrow it down to a tie, and I'm going to say Rosamund Pike in A Private War and Nicole Kidman in Destroyer. I love you, Will. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew Ryan was going to say something. Will, for the record, I'm really happy that you uh, appreciate Rosamund Pike because I feel like she's not getting enough love. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. I want to see that that movie so bad. Yeah, I need to see A Private War. She's my best actress win right now until Uh, I see this I think she's mine too. No, Tony Collette, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> God, God damn it. Like. <laughs> uh, but but Rosamund Pike is my number two behind Tony Collette. That's how good I think she is in this. I mean, it's pretty incredible. If that film had just gotten a better distributor, I think it would have been I think she would have been right up there. I agree. Yeah. One of the big five. Head on over to the poll page over at nextbestpicture.com. Let us know what your two favorite performances, one male, one female, are for 2018. And you can all probably guess what next week's poll is going to be. The best film of 2018. And you can also expect to see our own top 10 lists over the next couple of weeks on the blog page of nextbestpicture.com. And on top of that... The NBP Film Community Award uh, nominations are going to be going out soon to all of you, so you will all be able to uh, nominate and vote on your own personal picks, and we will announce those as we get closer to the Oscars. All right, so now, questions for this week. Let's see what we got here. Anything anything holiday-themed 
Aw, JC, you sent us a holiday-themed question. <laughs> Favorite Christmas movie Santa Claus? <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street, the original. Oh, Dan, I'm so glad you said that. That's like my number one pick for Santa other than Jack Skellington. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, too. I have to I have to go with um and I I mean I'm not a big fan of him personally but I I really do like the Tim Allen Santa Claus film a lot. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it because everybody's been talking about the um Christmas Chronicles on Netflix yeah. with Kurt Russell and that was actually a really cute movie and Kurt was a pretty cute Santa. Oh. Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I second that. Well, you know, as the Jew in the room, I'm going to spice up this question a little bit and say my favorite Mrs. Santa Claus, which is Angela Lansbury, as the titular role in Mrs. Santa Claus. Oh. Every time I hear a titular role now, I always think of that gift from uh, Lady Bird. Lady Bird. It's a yeah. titular <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, uh. I bet Michael was imagining that, that gift yesterday during our Mary Poppins review when you and I were discussing the fact that Emily Blunt may be supporting well, I, ha- I have to throw a special shout out to John Call in the famous Santa Claus Conquers the Martians from 1964. Mm. <laughs> One of the best films of all time. I do want to also just throw this out there really quickly. Uh, I want you all to know this before it goes up on the blog page uh, tomorrow. Uh, we actually polled the entire uh, Next Best Picture team to list their top 10 favorite Christmas movies of all time. And Nicole Ackman put together all of our lists, and we came up with a top 15. And I wanted to share that with all of you so you could all hear what, what our favorite uh, Christmas movies are of all time here on, uh, on Next Best Picture. So uh, really quick, number 15, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number 14, Gremlins. Yes! 13, A Charlie Brown Christmas. 12 is White Christmas. Number 11, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version. Number 10 is Love Actually. Number 9 is Batman Returns. Number 8 is The Muppet Christmas Carol. Number 7 is Home Alone. Number 6 is Miracle on 34th Street. Number 5 is Elf. Number 4 is Die Hard. 3 is A Christmas Story. Two is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, that means number one is It's a Wonderful Life. And one is It's a Wonderful Life. You know, my number one, I don't think even made that list. Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh. Aw. That's a good one. Gremlins made it over Meet Me in St. Louis. I am so happy about that. <laughs> okay, the so shade. I have to gush about It's a Wonderful Life for a second. because Okay, go I, ahead. I, I, I will tell you, this was like, I'm sure a lot of people had this experience when you were growing up and it was always on and you were never that interested in it. But then there's like this point, I swear that every person hits in their life where all of a sudden the theme of that movie makes, it just, it, it becomes so clear. It makes so much sense and it's timeless in terms of what it's trying to say about um, you know, your aspirations and getting what you want versus what you need. It will live on forever. It's the perfect thing to really actually sit down and watch and contemplate on the holidays in the holiday season. I think it's a fantastic choice. I'm so, so proud of all of you. Can I just say there are only three Hanukkah movies around and that during this time of year where I'm always watching Christmas movies because the Hanukkah movies are slow, slim pickings. And those three movies are Eight Crazy Nights, yes. Disney's Full Court Miracle, and those were the only two up until last year when we got one Hanukkah scene in Call Me By Your Name. Mm. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you could 
call it Hanukkah. What about what about the night before with uh, Seth Rogen and? Oh. Uh, that's a Christmas movie. What about Kwanzaa? See, when you put a Jew in a Christmas movie, it doesn't count. Ah, oh, okay. Well, how about the Hebrew hammer? Is that really a thing? <laughs> yeah, maybe the Hebrew hammer. That might be a stretch, though. <laughs> Let's get over now to the final uh, fan questions for this week and wrap up this episode here. Uh, these questions are pertaining to the Oscar race currently at this time. Let's see if we can help out some of our readers here. Shiwen Lin. Uh, at 7LSW on Twitter asks, do you think Minding the Gap can upset Won't You Be My Neighbor and win Best Documentary Film? Maybe. I mean, what if, if Won't You Be My Neighbor somehow shockingly misses, then it's a free-for-all. Uh, I think Minding the Gap could win, even if Won't You Be My Neighbor is in there. Is there a chance, though, that the snobby branch will not like it being referred to as the skateboarding movie, even though it's way more than that? Well, so now they've actually opened up um, the voting to everyone in the academy and it's an honor system now where they don't even have to prove that they've seen all the nominees anymore so you know before in the past where we used to get shocking things like departures winning or maybe the lives of others if that was considered a shocker i'm not sure i think now it's all about the populist vote so i i I feel like if won't you be my neighbor gets in it's going to probably just win by default that's my belief if it gets in yeah Next question. Uh, Luca Gilliberti asks us, will Nicole, Kidman, will Nicole Kidman get at least one Oscar nomination this year? If it turns out she's a producer on one of the best picture contenders, sure. Oh, shade. That, uh, yeah, that was that, that was worse than my shade, Michael. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but she needed to have a little bit more support with SAG or something for Boy Erased. And... I mean, if she gets the Boston nod for Destroyer, it's still a possibility after getting... She got Golden Globe for... Mm-hmm. No, she... Wait, wait, did she get Golden Globe for Destroyer? She got Golden Globe for Destroyer. It's fine. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I've come to the conclusion that, like, she probably won't be nominated. Um, but I do think she's going to get a BAFTA nomination. And then, you know, who knows? I mean... Her film's hitting right at the time voting is about to begin. She'll be on talk shows and all over the New York Times, which she already has been. I mean, she's her film's coming out at a good time for the type of performance and film that it is. Yeah. So who knows? Okay. Uh, now, next question. HLVD Movies asks, how many Best Picture nominees do you think there will be with a lot of contenders underperforming? I mean, I don't think any one of us can definitively say if we think it's going to be eight or nine. It's certainly not going to be 10. If there's eight nominees, right, instead of nine, that concludes that um, not enough films got enough number one votes, which means that the films that did get number one votes had like an overwhelming amount of passion behind them. So couldn't you then conclude that that overwhelming passion then translated into uh, when they casted their wins as well? And that means that whatever won that year was more of a landslide than in a year of nine. Uh, I think that's overthinking it a little bit. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> I guess the answer is no one knows if it's going to be eight or nine. So... I think it's going to be nine. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I've just assumed that it's going to be nine from now on. I don't know why. That's just default for me. Here's a here's a better question. Uh, would you do, do you would you rather to go to five, keep this system, or go to ten? Go to ten. Solid ten. Ten, absolutely. Yeah. Ten was the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Next question here is, ooh, okay. I kind of like this because this is almost like a dig in a sort of way. 
Andrew Purr asks us, what is the problem with a safe movie? I have heard this in describing Bohemian Rhapsody and Won't You Be My Neighbor, both of which are very good in their own way. And I say this because I myself just saw Won't You Be My Neighbor, and I too, actually just on Twitter, described it as being quote-unquote safe. Um, yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Why um, do safe movies get a lot of shade, it turns yeah, out? Yeah, why do they? Because <laughs> people I like you to say that they're safe, safe movie. I can answer for myself personally, and I can only say that when you see... 150 movies or more a year uh safe movies are in my opinion just considered boring and they don't tend to stand out to me like the ones that are not safe and then they i remember them more clearly and they resonate in my mind more They're forgettable the theme yeah. of my top 10 list this year for 2018 the theme is going to be uh, make movies happy again you know mm. i feel like this is such a crazy rotten year in so many different ways both personal and on a global level and it's like i just want to go to the movies and be entertained and happy hmm. see whereas i say this year as therapeutic and like let's reflect our pain in our art and feel better about it get it out of our system like Cathartic. go see Nicole and beat somebody up and be like okay i feel better it's like 2008 and 2007 the bush years you know everyone that's when art 2007 i think that's a we're heading into that again. Everyone is so pissed off that we had one of the best ever years for film. And we're on our way right now because everyone's so angry again. And I think that's a vital thing. Yeah, I think so, too. That's actually a good observation there, Will. Uh, last thing uh, before we go, I want to ask everyone really quickly a personal question. You can feel free to answer or not if you'd like. Uh, what was your favorite Christmas gift or Hanukkah gift in Michael's case that you ever received that was film related? Mm. I had a um, green screen set up when I was in ninth grade, lights, the chroma key sheet, and my best friend and I set them up, filmed a bunch of stuff, and then he left the lights on too long, and they set fire and melted. Wow. Um, I have two. I have, for one Christmas, I got a signed copy of a Pirates of the Caribbean script from um, the Curse of the Black Pe of the Black Peel, <laughs> Curse of the Black Pearl. I love that. And then the other one is that. Well, I actually have three of them. I have three cardboard cutouts of Jack Sparrow from each of the movies, and those are awesome. I'm gonna take a wild guess and say Johnny Depp is the one who signed the script. Uh, Johnny Depp, Keira Knightley. Wow! Like the whole crew. Like That's I have. Cool. It's like all of them. My God, hold on to that for a couple of years, please. Wow. <laughs> Well, yeah, people are ready to pay for Johnny Depp autographs. Yeah, like everybody is hating on Johnny Depp. So it's like, no, I will keep it myself. Thank you very much. And y'all can all send your hate somewhere else. Johnny Depp forever. I love you. Um, so mine's actually cool because I didn't know this was, this was happening. But my mom, she ordered Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbook for me. And she had Gwyneth sign it um, to Ryan Love Gwyneth. And it came actually in the mail on Christmas Eve. I was home by myself was just messing around and um, the doorbell rings. I go get the package, I open it and I get this book with Gwyneth saying to Ryan love Gwyneth. And it just, <laughs> that's not necessarily film on, on point, but it's close enough. And that just melted my heart because I love Gwyneth Paltrow. I am the only person in the world, but yes, I do. Uh, I love that. That's so cute. So last year I got the crazy cupcake from spy, the necklace that Melissa <laughs> McCarthy gets from. It's oh, almost so Crazy cupcake. It's amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. I received a uh, framed uh, copy of the original negative of The Dark Knight uh, when I was in film school. 
And that same year I received a book and the book was a list book. And inside, you know, you flip to a different page and it's like a different list of like your top favorite uh, buddy road trip movies, your top favorite um, college comedies, your top, you know, it's like, it's like everything, everything you could possibly imagine. And this was when I was just going through like the IMDb top 250. And I was like really, really like heavy into just everything. I was like consuming so, so much. And um, what's really funny is that I still have the list book, but I actually refuse to write in it. Um, And I refuse to write in it because I don't want, I don't want my lists to be so definitive that if I put them down on paper, I can never add to them something new I see in the future or change them later. You know what I mean? Uh, But I like having them as reference for uh, coming up with the weekly polls and things like that sometimes. So it it is actually very, very helpful. And it was a very, very thoughtful gift that I really appreciated. Matt, Mm -hmm. did you know that there's this really incredible invention called a pencil and an eraser? (laughs) And it works really well. That. I discovered this thing called Letterbox instead, and I just stick with that. That's true. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, everyone's naming these really neat gifts. And the thing with Hanukkah is Hanukkah is actually a really minor holiday. That's only, you know, the stature is raised uh, because it's near Christmas. It's actually just like the Jewish equivalent to something like Halloween. But, you know, some people really try to go above and beyond with presents to match it with Christmas. But what we do, it's like, you know, you got, you know, maybe some cash or like a iTunes gift card, not anything bigger over the top, you know, just like a little holiday treat. So my experience with movies in this time of the year is, you know, there were years where I would get just the DVD that I wanted to get or a gift card to whatever video store there was at the time, Best Buy, uh, and I would pick up some DVDs. But the big movie memory around Hanukkah, Christmas, all that is what we call a Jewish Christmas, which is going to the movies on Christmas Day and then out for Chinese food afterward. Mm. So I have been doing that Uh, just about every single year except for last year when i was in in israel during christmas but this year i plan on uh you know going to chinatown tomorrow night on christmas eve and then seeing mary poppins returns on christmas day so it's going to the theater on christmas that is the holiday movie memory it's Mm -hmm. definitely a tradition especially in my household i always go to the movies on christmas same um i just don't know what i'm gonna repeat see this year because i know i'm gonna end up seeing something i've already seen but mary poppins is right there i know i know i might do it again You don't see me dancing right now. Well, that is the perfect note to end us out on, actually, here, uh, with a little nice lift of joy uh, for the holiday weekend here. Everyone, uh, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, I, I hope that you all enjoy this time with your families. And to all of our listeners out there, our other extended family, thank you so much, everyone, for supporting us uh, through 2018. We have one more episode left before we ring in 2019. And next year is our end of year episode where we'll be talking about... Um, the categories that don't necessarily make the MVP film awards, but things that we like to reflect on to kind of, you know, tie the year together. So we'll be talking about uh, best on-screen couples, best heroes, best villains, best lines of dialogue, best posters, best trailers. We'll be talking about pretty much everything you can think of for 2018. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, And to the team that's here today, uh, much love from myself personally to all of you. Thank you for making this show everything that it is. And with that said, Will, where can they find you on the internet? Find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. Michael? On Twitter at Mike Movie. Ryan? At Ryan C. Showers. Deanne? At TweedledeeDee33. And JC? 
on Twitter and the Insta at JC Aldridge. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening once again to episode 122 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, newly on Spotify as well. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback there and also your support. Oh, head on over to Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You can get some of our exclusive podcast content, including our reviews of Mary Poppins, Saving Mr. Banks, and we have some new polls currently up on nextbestpicture.com for what we're going to review for the month of January 2019. Thank you so much for listening once again. Happy holidays, everyone. We shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.